Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. All right, help me to stop being naughty. All right, come in your Bibles. We're going to switch it up a little bit. Sorry, sorry, team up there. Let's start in, let's start in the book of Exodus. Um, it's all good. But where can we start? Exodus. Let's go to Exodus 10.23. Exodus 10.23. Exodus 10.23. So what's happened is that the, the ninth plague, darkness, hits the land of Egypt. And, uh, and the Bible says in verse 23, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, go back one chapter to chapter 9, verse 4. Chapter 9, verse 4. Chapter 9, verse 4. It says this, And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. The Lord will make a difference. Other translations say the Lord will make a distinction. The Lord will make a distinction. Go forward to... um, Exodus 11 verse 7, Exodus 11 verse 7. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord makes a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Again, other translations say the Lord makes a distinction. The Lord makes a distinction. The title of my message today is from eviction to distinction. From eviction to distinction. In Genesis 1, it says, it says that the, the Lord God, uh, it says that Satan was more cunning than any beast of the field the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said? Has God really said? Has God really said you can't eat off all the trees? And the Bible says, Eve responds and says, well, actually, uh, God said we can eat off all the trees of the garden. We may freely accept that one. We can't eat of that one. That one belongs to God. That's a death tree. God says if we eat of that, it's not good for us. It's something about its composition. It'll kill us. Don't. He said, don't. (laughs) Oh, Eve, sweetheart. How long have you known God? Well, I've only been alive a day. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've known him for millennium. Let, Let me just tell you something that he probably won't tell you. He's holding out on you. You can't trust him. He knows the day you eat from that tree, oh, you'll be just like him. But I thought we were made in the image and the likeness of God. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, he's trying to keep you down. He's trying to keep you subservient. The, the mess of our planet begins here. Genesis 3 tells you all of planet Earth, all the people, 7 billion plus people, can be fit into two categories. Those who live with, has God said, or those who live in, God has said. God has said. When, when, when Satan says, uh, has God re-? God knows the day you eat from that, tr- what he's saying is you can't trust God. So you find that, that we have a Bible, we have scriptures, because God is trying to undo the damage of that moment. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. 
How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. By faith, they overcame. By faith, David. By faith, Rahab. By faith, Gideon. By faith, Moses. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Samson. By faith, Jephthah. By faith. Faith comes from the Word of God. So, so the enemy knows that where there's no faith, there, there's faithlessness. Jesus lamented, Jesus commented about his generation. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Wherever, wherever there's, a, there's a diminishing of faith, there's an increasing of perversion. Wherever there's a, because f- where, there's, where faith is diminished, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Where faith diminishes, it means that God's word is diminished. Wherever God's word is diminished, perversion rises. We just watched a, a video of uh, Cusco, Peru, where we have, we wanted to adopt one village, but our church was so generous that we had so many sponsorships that we now have eight villages that, that we're looking after down, down in Cusco, Peru. But what's very interesting, we saw the, the story of a, four, a girl who was 14 when she got, got pregnant, 15 when she gave birth. She's now 17, married and trying to figure this life out without resources. But, but people who, people who ascribe, people who believe that God has said, that God has, Jesus went one step further. He says, not only has God said devil, but it is written. Three times he defeated the devil. It is written. Let me tell you. Well, I don't just listen to what God has said, but Moses went up on a mountain, met with God. God, with his finger, wrote into tablets of stone, it is written. And I live on what God has said and what, what is written. But, but we have people, we have people in compassion who are Christians. They live on what God has said. So they go to those places and, and you saw the testimony. I treat her like she's my own daughter. I love her like she's my own daughter. Uh, I, I need you to understand that, 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 that poverty and struggle and lack and strife and war and conflict is, is all around the world, is all around the world. And, and God wants us to go into those places and he wants us to bring his light. The default, the default position of the universe is chaos and disorder. The default position of the universe is chaos and disorder. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. The translation into English of formless and void is the Hebrew tohu bohu, which can also be translated chaos disorder. Everything left unto itself does not evolve better. I can leave a car on my front lawn. It doesn't evolve into a jet. It devolves into a rusty, broke down piece of that's no longer worth what I paid for it. If you don't weed your garden, it doesn't grow into paradise. It degenerates into being overtaken by weeds and thorns and thistles, choking the life of what's there. The default position, if you neglect your marriage, if you neglect your family, if you neglect your fight, whatever, whatever you, the default position is chaos and disorder. So God sends people who believe that he has said. 
you see the contrast because where people go believing what God has said, they bring transformation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, He, he gave. He gave. So, so we have orphanages in, in Tijuana where we're making a difference in Ensenada, Rosarito. And we go there because we believe God has said and we make a difference. We bless lives. But it's not like that all around the world. There are people from rich Western countries that go to the Philippines, that go to Thailand, that go to these places. And they see the same poverty. They see the same struggle. But they come under the same spirit that Eve came under. Because the Bible says when she saw the tree, she took. For God so loved, He... God is a giver, Satan is a taker. And men go to these places and they take little girls' virginity. They take their purity. They take their innocence. They take their virtue. These children are taken into child trafficking and sex trafficking and slavery. They they, they exploit them because they're the spirit of this world. When Adam and Eve sinned, they, 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 they were evicted from the garden. But God is so merciful and God is so good that even though we lost paradise and even though we lost the garden of Eden, God had a plan and the plan was for you and I to come into his house, for, for you and I to come into his family. We may have lost the garden, but as you come into the house of God, everything that was lost in the garden is restored in his house. Everything is restored in His family. Everything is restored in His kingdom. That's why we preach the gospel of the kingdom. So, this, and, and let me tell you, there'll be a distinction. The, the distinction is so profound that the angels, Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, and sometimes you're watching the world events, you think, shoot, this could be any minute, Eric. He could split the sky at any moment. But Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, He will come with these holy angels. And the holy angels will go forth into the world. And as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, in the same way, he will separate those who are his from those who aren't. You'll say, well, how, 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 how are the angels? No. And it's got nothing to do with race, ethnicity, hair color, eye color, skin color. It's got nothing to do with that. They, they can see the distinction of those who live in the camp of he has said and to those who has God said. They can see the people that have the Word of God in them. So today I want to kind of speak about that a little bit, about how your life can have distinction. Where your life can, where there's a difference between you and other people. That you can tell, I I can tell somebody that lives the Word of God. Let me just say this, that over the years, uh, I've had many, many people come and quote the Word of God. Oh, pastor. Bible, humble, humble, you know, Bible. Let me just tell you, even the devil quotes the Word of God. Quoting the Word of God doesn't impress me. I had a guy the other day saying to me, you know, his his marriage is a mess. And he starts quoting the Scripture, saying, yeah, my wife, you know, was quoting all these Scriptures to her. And I said, oh, dear Jesus. I said, let me just tell you something. If I quoted those Scriptures to my wife, both my eyes would be swollen shut. He's like, what are you saying? I said, well, the reason you're reaching for the Bible authority is because for whatever reason, she don't respect your authority. You lost your authority. So now you're, well, the Bible says women submit. I said, let me just tell you my job. My job to my wife is not to quote Scripture at her. 
My job is to live Scripture. Live Scripture. If she don't see it living in me, the Bible calls it the living word. My job is to live the Scripture, not quite. Anyone can quote it. The devil quotes it. He don't live it, but he quotes it. But there is a blessing when you live it. So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one is, can you hear him calling? Can you hear him calling? The Bible says in, in Matthew 22, I think it's verse 14, it says that many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. I almost preached a message titled today called From Eviction to Election. Because the Bible talks about, and you know, had those days not been shortened, nobody would have saved, not even the elect. The Bible says that we are the elect of God. If you're, but there's all this kind of distorted teaching, you know, around Calvinism. Basically, Calvinism in a, in a nutshell is I have four children. My house is burning to the ground, but I've already predetermined which two I'm going to save and which two are going to perish. They, they, they'll try and fluff around, and, but that's what it is. My Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. I don't want any of my children to perish. I will run back into the flames. I'll run back into the fire. Till every last one. In fact, I will sacrifice my life to make sure that they are saved. I will sacrifice my life to make sure my children are saved. Not well, I've decided these two will live. And I will sacrifice my life. If you, being evil, fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? who runs into the fire, who'd rather give his life so that he... So, so, so the Bible says many, many are called, few are chosen. So how, how do I go from called to chosen? Proverbs 1, I think it's around verse, verse 20, somewhere around there, it says that, it says that wisdom calls aloud. She, she cries outside in the open squares, in the marketplaces. To him who is simple, turn in here. Wisdom is, is calling. God is always calling. The devil wants to make sure that you can't hear God's calling, he wants to drown out the calling of God. Roxette said, listen to your heart when he's calling on you. Listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. I don't know where you're going and I don't know why, but listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. In, in, our, in our, uh, our twisted, the musical, Ebenezer Scrooge comes to a moment where, can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me call? Can you hear? And it's, it's this powerful moment where all of a sudden, all the noise and all the tumult of his own pain, his own world, his pursuits, his dysfunctions, his appetites, the noise, the evil one, the whispers and the lies of the devil is drowned out and he hears God calling him. The Bible says many are called, few are chosen. How do you become chosen? It's very simple. Respond to the call. How do you, how do you, get, you respond to the call? Can you hear him calling? The Bible says today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like they did in the rebellion. There are moments where, where you will hear God. And if you respond to God's call, you become chosen. When I first got saved, Pastor Samuel, I, I, I heard great preaching. And I remember hearing a message that, that God is no respecter of persons. 
Anybody ever heard of that? God is no respecter of persons. God shows no partiality. You know, God does not have favorites. And so, you know, I'm, I'm believing that. I'm, I'm saying amen, Chad. I'm saying amen to that. And then I'm reading my Bible thinking, ah, that doesn't line up. Because if I look at David, hello, favorite. Favorite right there. Moses, favorite. Abraham, favorite. Isaac. God's got favorites all the way through the Bible. So I decide I'm going to have a little bit of a with God. I mean, Isaiah says to do it. Come, let us reason together. So I'm like coming to God saying, all right, God, all right, God. The Bible says, and I've, I've read it myself, that you say you show no partiality, that you say you're no respecter of persons. And I've heard it said that you don't have any favorites. And God's like, that's right. I said, yeah, right. Explain David. Favorite. Go ahead. Explain Solomon. Favorite. Abraham. Favorite. Moses. Fa- I said, you got favorites all the way through. And God just kind of... <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. <laughs> and God says, Jurgs, you're right. I do have favorites. I said, well, the Bible says you don't. He goes, well, I don't. I said, you just said you do. He goes, well, I don't choose favorites. I don't initiatingly choose to favor this person over that. I said, well, then I don't understand. It's an enigma. And God says, oh, it's very, very simple, Jurgen. Many are called, few are chosen. He says, I don't choose to have favorites, but there are people that choose to become intimates. While everybody else is going on with their life, these are the people that choose me above everything else, that put me first, that seek first the kingdom of his righteousness. He says, because they become intimates, they step into my favor. So in integrity with my word, I don't choose to favor one over another, but because they choose to be intimate, they come into a favor that is unprecedented over their life. So my question is, can you hear me calling? Can you hear me calling? Now, I didn't do this in the first service this morning. So let me just be un poquito naughty, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. So people always have a go at Awakened Church. And if I was honest with you, it actually fuels me. But, you know, but don't tell them. At Awakened Church, they preach that prosperity gospel. People there, they got these big old houses. Do they even need those big old houses there? And you notice everyone there is good looking. David's good looking. You know what it says about Job? In the last chapter of Job, it says, And God restored to Job double for his trouble, so that he had so much possessions that he was the wealthiest man in the entire East. And he had seven sons and three daughters, and his daughters were the most beautiful. There was not a more beautiful woman in the land than Job's daughters. It's amazing people that don't read the Bible, the stupid things they say. I don't like awakening church. They're like so materialistic and carnal. They make it about how beautiful the girls are and, and how much stuff they've got. And put, 
Read your Bible. This is God saying, hey, let me, let me tell you the distinction. Let me tell you how I differentiate between those who reject my word and those who obey my word. When you obey my word, your life will get better looking. You will find yourself flourishing. You will find yourself increasing. Anyway, that was just my, my naughty thought. So number two, number two, point number two is God calls us out of darkness. When, when we were evicted from the garden, there was, there was, there was momentarily, momentarily darkness that we were walking through, but God calls us from darkness into light. Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Genesis 1, 3 and 4, when, when tohu bohu, when chaos and disorder, darkness covered, the Bible says in verse 3, then God said, let there be light. The first thing God said was, let the, turn the lights on. Let there be light. And the Bible says, and light be, light was. Verse 4 says, and then God separated the light from the darkness. The light He called day and the darkness He called night. The light He called day, the darkness He called light. The, the first thing that happens when you receive God's Word, when you prioritize His Word in your life, is discernment comes. Discernment is unbelievably important because I can't tell you how many Christians I've seen, myself included, that over the years have learned through pain, have learned through fraud, have learned through the hard way, through being deceived, through being ripped off, that man, I should have had better judgment. I should have had better discernment. The Bible says you shouldn't judge. No, Jesus says, judge every tree by its fruit. You're meant to have discernment. You're meant to have discretion. You're meant to have understanding. One of the gifts, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit is discerning of spirits. That means that somebody can come to you saying all the right things. They can come well presented. They can come with a great glossary. They can come with a great resume. And it can look like every T is crossed. Every I is done. Everything they say to you will be tickling your ears, but you'll just have this. Can I tell you, listen to the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you, I can't tell you the amount of loss and pain I've had or people that have had to counsel because they didn't listen to this. And let me just say this, let me just say this, that the greatest way to increase your discernment is to increase this. Increase this. How many people know that the Word of God is truth? If you, the rest of you, the Word of God is truth. The, the Word of God is truth. The Word of God is truth. How, 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 how do I know what a counterfeit $100 bill looks like? How can I tell? Because I know what the true one looks like. That they, they teach they teach our bank tellers how to discern the, the feel, the, the texture. They, they they know there are certain watermarks. They, 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 they know a counterfeit, even though it looks almost identical. They can tell because they, they handle the truth. The devil doesn't want you to live in truth. Right now there's a war on truth. If you're if you're a truth teller, you're shadow banned. I wear it as a badge. I'm no longer on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Shadow ban. Can't handle this. But I'll tell you why truth is important. What one of my one of my friends, who sadly, uh, truth is an optional thing in his life, loves a little bit of 
misleading. But as always, he's got a history of continually being deceived. Jacob was a deceiver and then on his wedding night, go into your tent and I'll bring Rachel who you worked for seven years and instead Leah is put in there, he's deceived. You can't shortcut kingdom. The level of lies and deceit is the level to which you'll be lied to and you can't even discern it. In fact, you'll, you'll actually gleefully jump into a contract, jump into business with these people because you don't even realize there's a congruency in spirit. You're like, wow. But when you put the word of God and truth, many years ago, I kept getting all these words. I kept getting these words. God hasn't called you to not just to be a pastor, be a prophetic voice. You're going to be a prophetic voice, prophetic voice, prophetic voice, prophetic voice. So I'm like, okay, God, I said, my wife prophesies better than me. And he goes, yeah, because more truth lives in her than you. I'm like, oh, stop it. Thought that God was a gentleman. And he showed me how through my mum's lineage, deception. And if I was honest with you, Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop was kind of like a hero to me in my teenage years. And so we would go to the mall and pretend I was blind to get free stuff. So my two friends, Dago and Jerry, they, they made out like they were my, my brothers and they were you know, so tech that mum lumbered them with their blind, you know, and, and to be blind is... To act blind is really simple. You just don't make eye contact because you can't, you don't know where their eyes are. And so I'm just, you know, walking through the mall, you know, speaking to people, you know, and uh, shop clerks would come up. And, and, and so I got all this, and I, I, I thought this is awesome. It's a gift. I thought it was a gift, but I didn't realize it was more of a curse than a gift. And I, I remember, I remember now I'm, a, I'm, years later, I'm a pastor. And uh, we had a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, and this one morning I just, you know, hit snooze one time too many. And, oh, you know, it's 6.30, oh, my gosh, I mean, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm a dead man, oh, my gosh, you're going to fire me. And so I remember driving to the prayer meeting, and I thought, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? I know what I'll do. I got my hand, and I rubbed it on the black of the tire till my hand was as black as the tire, and then I ran, where were you? Flat tire, flat tire, lie. Don't look at me like that. You probably lied as well. People, we're leaving this church, Margo. Margo, get out of here. The pastor's a liar. So it's a true story. So, so it's a true story. So God says, God says, you can't be a prophet because a prophet is a seer. And you can't see, you can't see because when you choose lies and deceit, it blinds you from seeing. Let there be light, and then God could see, He could discern. So, so I was repenting, but it still found it was just easy. It was just easy to tell a little, little whoopsie, a little fib every now and again. And I'm like, God, I've got to break this thing. And so finally someone said, you need to do a fast. So I did a three-day fast. I thought I'll do three days. And I was asleep, which is the best way to get through a fast. Try and sleep as much as you can. Sleep as much as you can. You, you still wake up, KFC. It's like, you know. Anyway, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping. And there's a true story. I'm, it's maybe three or four in the morning. And all of a sudden, I feel, I feel fear running down, like running through my body. And I just fear. And I, I open my eyes and there's a face with eyes staring straight at me. I'm lying on my bed and hovering over me horizontally is an angel. And I am freaking. 
And I went to say something. And as I opened my mouth, he took his fist and right into my mouth, right down what felt like my esophagus, and then starts doing this. And this ribbon, that's all, all it looked like, was this crimson ribbon flying out of my mouth. It's flying out. And I'm freaking out, and I want to ask the angel, and, you know, I'm assuming the angel's like a dentist. Like, have you ever noticed, like, you go to the dentist, and they got, like, stuff in your mouth, and so, you know, what do you do for business? Yeah. Oh, is that right? You're a pastor. You're a pastor. Wow. What, what book of the Bible have you been preaching on? Yeah. Galatians. It's my favorite. Like, how do they? Anyway, and so, so. Okay. I'm trying to ask you, what the heck is going on? What? And, and he's just. And I, I can feel it in here, this unraveling. And the last kind of little strand comes out. And I look at him and said, what was that? And he said, deceit. And then disappeared. <laughs> I think I had to change my jam jams. <laughs> and after that, it was almost like Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, where the pen is blue. I can't lie. It was like something shifting. But it was amazing. I began to see. God calls us out of darkness. The more that you bring his word into your life, the more, the more that you embrace truth, the more prophetic you'll become, the more discerning you come. You will see a difference between my God. They just go from great relationship to great relationship. Man, they just, they are flourishing in their business. I can't tell you how sad it is over the years. The amount of people that I see that shook hands, signed contracts with the wrong people that presented right, but had an evil heart, had wicked intentions, had, had malevolence in their character. You want to come out of darkness into light. The last one is, oh, the last one is into his house, into his family. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite Psalms. One of the distinctions you'll see, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He leads me beside still waters, makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. But in verse, in verse five and six, it says this. David says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I, I remember the first time I read that, I thought, man, what a peculiar, peculiar verse. That, you know, the enemies are coming. You know, they're all out there. Surrender the castle now or we will burn it to the ground. You know, the enemies are outside and you're like, God, help. And he's like, come and sit down, son. Like, no, no, God, this is no time. I've been cooking. That's, that's awesome. I've been baking. Sm smells delicious, Lord, but <laughs> you're a little out of touch right now. There's an army of enemies trying to take down. And he's like, come and sit. In. And then I began to realize that in his house, his answer to all of our wars, all of our strife, all of Satan's attacks and assignments against our life, he prepares a table in the presence of thine enemies because what you feed on in here, what you feast upon in here, gives you victory over every force that comes against you out there. Every enemy that comes against you, every devil that's assigned against you. What you feed on here, when I came to the house of God, 
I began to feed on faithfulness. I began to feed on hope. I began to feed on virtue. I began to feed on righteousness. And I began to find that all the struggles, all the areas where the enemy had me pinned, had me bound, had me chained, had me shackled, where the enemy was, was dominating in areas, I found that as I feasted on God's goodness, as I feasted on God's righteousness, as I feasted on faith, I began to bust the death. What you feed on in the house, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. I want you to know when you come to this house, you're going to find that hope begins to rise. And when the devil has shut down your dreams, dreams are going to come again. When, when you come into this house, you're going to find that as you hear the Word of God, it'll produce faith. And the Bible says, by faith, they slayed giants. By faith, they parted waters. By faith, they saw miracles. By faith, they conquered territories. By faith, they took down. By faith, their children were raised back to life. By faith, you will find that what you feed on in here makes you more than a conqueror out there. You will live your life not from eviction, but with distinction where people will see, my God, there's something different over their lives. And then the verse is a crazy verse because it says that not only does, does what you feed on help you overcome your enemies, it says, He anoints your head with oil. And He anointeth my head with oil. So while, while you're feeding... He comes along with a flask of oil and you're like, man, God, what are you doing? Pass me the chicken. Well, what are you doing, God? He's like, I'm anointing you for leadership. Oh, man. All I've been doing is eating. God's like, exactly. But you're eating the right food. What do you look for in a leader, Pastor Jürgen? What they feed on. What you feed. Readers are leaders and leaders are readers. Tell me what you feed on. When you're, when you're sitting at His table, feeding on His faithfulness, feeding on His loving kindness, feeding on His truth, feeding on seek ye first the kingdom of His right. When you feed, you find oil coming onto your head. In fact, the more that you eat, the more anointing. The greater the level, the greater level of anointing. And then the next verse says, and my cup runneth over. Which you would think that God would do a better job training his waiters and waitresses. Like I'm not sure, are they distracted that, you know, they're pouring? Oh, oh sir. Like my, my cup runneth over? Like, isn't that, isn't that wasteful? Like if it runs over, it'll stain the tablecloth. What's it? But your, your cup is meant to run over. You know why? Because there are people around you whose cups are empty and you're meant to run to them and say, Hey, quick, put your cup under my cup and let me fill your cup. Let me fill your cup. Let me, let me fill your cup. We can go into Cusco, Peru and we can fill their cups and they can say, my God, my God, how come, how come your, is it because you live in America? No, because we live in the kingdom of God that God makes a distinction. God makes a difference. We, we, Man might have been evicted from the garden and poverty, but when you come into the kingdom, when you come into the house of God, there's a distinction. My cup runneth over. We can fill other people's cups. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's why one of the great lies from the devil is, oh, you should have only just enough. It's not in the Bible. Have just enough. Just enough for who? Huh? Have just enough for who? Well, yourself. Oh, yourself. And you think that that's virtuous? I want just enough for me. My precious. Your cup runneth over. Last verse. And surely, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So not only do you feast at a table that gives you power and authority over your enemies, not only does He anoint your head with oil and your cup runneth over, but He sends two stalkers to stalk you. Honey, I feel like we're being followed. That's just your imagination. No, no. When you look back over your life, you'll see goodness and mercy. How many of you know when Jesus sent out the disciples, He never sent them out by themselves? Did you know that? He always sent them out two by two. The Bible says that mercy and truth go before Him. He never sends out truth by itself because truth can get a little cutting. So He says, mercy, you go along with truth and but he never sends mercy out by himself because mercy is like, it, it doesn't matter. And no, 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 actually it does matter. It does matter. Truth, go along with, tell. So, so mercy and truth go together. So if I, if, I look back, if I look back on my life, honestly, I can see God's goodness when I first met my Leanne. I can see God's goodness when I proposed and she said, yes, I've got to tell you, oh my gosh, it was the lamest proposal. Thank God I had a do-over five years ago. But anyway, so she said, yes, miracle. She said, yes. And I remember getting married. I remember finishing Bible school and going to New Zealand and serving God there. And then, then my son Jordan born there, my beautiful boy, my beautiful Ash being born there. I remember God doing a miracle and getting, getting us a house on Manukau Harbour against all the yards. And then my moving to Australia and serving Phil Pringle and my little Tommy being born and and then moving to America and, and, and my little smushki, my little Zoe being. And if I look back, I see God's goodness. Samuel and Katie Duth are my friends. Man, doesn't get much better than that. God so loved Jurgen, He sent Jess and Kat Sullivan because he knew, oh, did that he, he can't, I need to, from the first, from the first Sunday, now rearrange it, Gabriel, from the first Sunday, Jurgen's going to need Jess and Kat. He, he can't do what, and God, so I see God's goodness. But then, then, then I began to look back and I began, to, I began to see there was all these kind of black squares, these cloths. You, you, you know, they call them modesty cloths. You know, when you, you churches and we, you pray for people and, you know, they go. And not everybody gets dressed expecting, like no one goes, today I'm going to lay on the floor in church. No, no one, you know, says that. So people don't, you know, and so, you know, we, you know, they always put it over my face. I don't know why they put it over my face, but other people they put it over their, you know, their legs or you know whatever. And I, and I look, I look back and I saw all God's goodness, but then I saw all these cloths, all these cloths. And so I said, God, you know, what's I see your goodness, but what's? And God said, Oh, that was mercy. That was mercy. Every time you stuffed up, every time you messed up, every time you transgressed, mercy came immediately and covered so that you wouldn't be disqualified from God's goodness. The most amazing thing about serving God is when you look back, the two people that God has assigned to follow you are goodness and mercy, and they'll follow you all the days of your life. No wonder David says, and I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of God. Where else will you dwell? Where else will you go? Nobody loves you like He loves you. Nobody is for you like He is for you. I'm telling you, Adam and Eve may have been evicted from Eden, but you can live with distinction in God's house, in God's family, in God's kingdom. Come on, if you believe that, give God a great praise.
Come on, give him a praise. Come on, yeah, let's stand to our feet. Let's give him a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Let me say a prayer over you. Father, I thank you right now for your word. And we thank you, Father God, that the entrance of your word is light and it brings life. I thank you, Lord God, that your word breaks chains. I thank you that your word heals. I thank you that your word restores. I thank you that your word redeems. I thank you that your word cuts, shackles, chains, bindings of the evil one. I declare your word brings freedom. Your word brings liberty. Your word brings transformation. Your word brings hope. Your word produces faith. Father, today we make a decision. We want to be sons and daughters of the word of God. We say, Lord God, we, we, we reject has God said, and we come into the place where God has said. We come into alignment with it is written. We come into alignment with the word of God. Now listen to me. In just a moment, I'm going to hand over to Pastor Samuel. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus, I'm not saying, you know, you're, a, you're not a church attendant. I'm just saying if you've never surrendered, if you never said, God, your word is first and final in my life. Your word is above, every, your word is above my opinions. I'm putting your word first. I want you to do that today. Maybe you're here and you once walked with God, but you slipped away, turned away, ran away, fell away, and you know you need to come back. Come back today. We've got a Bible we want to give you, a following Jesus book we want to give you. We're going to help you get started. If you're here and you're far from God, friend, don't walk out the same way you came in. Let God do a work in your heart. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.